We are continuing today on our theme for the month, Courage to Develop Your Potential. And this morning, I want to speak on the subtopic, how to discover and develop your potential. Matthew 25 is our main text. We read that from the NIV Bible. I'm reading from verse 14 to verse 28. Now, note that if you were to go back to the first verse of Matthew 25, Jesus was trying to explain to the crowd that was there what the kingdom of God is all about. And when we use the term kingdom of God, simply put, it means how God works. And Jesus was trying to use many stories of how God works. This is how God works. And he was using those similes. And in verse 14, he's using another illustration and that is why I'm going to start with the word again. I know that's not the right way of starting to read, but I've just given you the background. So he had just explained from verse 1 to verse 13 what the kingdom of God is like. Now he's using another illustration. He says the kingdom of God, again, is like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one which had two talents, he also gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Verse 20. The man who had received five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge over many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here it is, what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, should you have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. Jesus uses this parable or this story to explain something. He uses the word talents there. We are told that uh, one talent in those days was equivalent to about one day's worth of work. Depending which uh, area you are in, 
or which economy you are in. Some people one day, some people a whole month. But in essence, it represented somebody's hard work, hard labor that they entered into either for a day or for a month. And so they worked hard and gained money. So when he uses the word talents, it's not like the talents we have, but in essence, this man entrusted his money into the hands of others. The Bible calls them servants. And Jesus is using the common practice of the day to try and illustrate really our relationship with God. This wealthy man who was the landowner would delegate control of their assets for them to be multiplied into the hands of what the Bible calls servants. And these servants were free to trade as they will. And the landowner thereafter would come back after a month or a year. And after that long period, in this instance, it was a year. He would check if that what the servants had done or even what the accountants had done in this instance. He wanted to know if they had multiplied what he had given them if they had put the money to work by gaining profit. Jesus is using this story to show you and I that this is how God works. He entrusts talent. It could be our gifts, our abilities to us. And God's understanding in giving us these talents is that these talents should grow and they should multiply. And God is not pleased when we sit on our talent. God is not happy when we sit on our abilities and on our potential. It's amazing that when the master came to the servant who hadn't done anything with their talent, he calls them wicked. You know, sometimes when we use the word wicked, we only think about people who kill others. Are you telling me that we could be sitting here or I could be standing here and in God's eyes, God may be looking down at this preacher and saying, you're wicked servant. In other words, God regards me not using my gift and my talent as wickedness. Not only does he say wicked, he says lazy servant. Which means we need to put into practice and apply ourselves when it comes to the gifts that God has given us. And note, in the instance of the people that had used their talents, the master called them faithful servants. And not only did he call them faithful servants, he gave them more than what they had. To put it in plain talk, our talents, our gifts, our potential only grows as we use it. If we sit on it and we don't use it, it is not going to grow. And so we see how the master went through each one of these servants. And so the purpose of this story that Jesus told was to impress on the listeners and on us that God expects us to grow that which he entrusts into our care. God expects us to grow our gifts Our talents, our potential, our abilities, God wants us to be, to add to that which he has given to us. Potential is simply defined as that which is possible or can become a reality. The World Books Dictionary defines potential as follows, and I quote, potential is possible as opposed to actual. In other words, there are certain things that you possibly can do. When I look at you, when you look at me, that's not all there is to me. That's not all there is to you. There's much more that you are, far more than you realize. Tell your neighbor, you are lucky to be sitting next to me, you know, because there's far more to me than you realize. 
potential is capable of coming into being or action. In other words, we use the words in grammar that express possibilities which we say it may, it might be, it can be, it could be. In science, they use the word latent. An example, we talk about latent heat. Something latent is something that is present but not active. So in other words, there's abilities that lie in you, they are present. As you sit here, they are there, but they are not revealed yet. Present as well, but only in an undeveloped stage. That's what the word latent also means. Present only in an undeveloped stage. Which means God really wants us to develop that which we have in our lives. Let me take an excerpt from one man who taught a lot about potential, I think was one of the greatest teachers on the topic, Dr., the late Dr. Miles Monroe, from his book, uh, Potential. And I've taken quite a long excerpt. I want to read that, and probably some of you might be aware of it. Let me read for you. And I quote, The wealthiest spot on this planet is not the oil fields of Saudi Arabia or the gold mines of South Africa. The richest deposits on our planet lie not many blocks from your house. It's your local cemetery. Buried beneath the soil of those sacred grounds are songs that never were sung, books that never were written, paintings that never filled a canvas, ideas that never became reality. Tragically, our graveyards are filled with potential that never was fulfilled. As I walk the streets of our cities, my heart grieves over the wasted, broken, disoriented lives I encounter. During their youth, they had dreams, desires, plans, and aspirations. But today, they are lost in a maze of substance abuse, alcoholism, and purposelessness. Only a small percentage of the 5 billion people on this planet will achieve a significant portion of their true potential. Their potential remains untapped because they do not understand the nature of their potential. Potential is not what you have done, but what you can do. Potential is not what is, but what could be. Potential is dormant ability, untapped strength, unused success, hidden talents, kept capability. There's a wealth of potential within you, but you must decide if you will deprive the world or bless it with your valuable potential, untapped resources that are locked within you, end of quote. Isn't that just a powerful, powerful way of putting it? So as we gather here this morning, there's a lot more to us than meet the eye. Much more that is possible, that lies hidden within us, that man, that woman that you are sitting next to, there's so much in them, you haven't really discovered the fullness of who they are. And this is what this parable is about. And Jesus says, you've got to explore who you are. You've got to dig up that which you are. You've got to put to use that which you are. So I want to answer that question. How am I able then to discover my potential and develop it? And I've got 10 points to that that I want to talk to you about. Number one, we need first of all to open our mind to see opportunity. See, if we never take advantage of the opportunities that are presented to us, we'll really never discover what we have on the inside and what we are 
capable of. Oftentimes when opportunity comes our way, it may not be packaged in a very nice, beautiful, expensive way. You know, I know today things are so different. We have a number of people who have broken over or broken out into uh, the market and they be, you know, their music became the number one selling music because they posted something on social media you know, and people loved, they saw their song on YouTube and loved their song and overnight, you know, they became a success or the number one selling album. Now, in our day, when we didn't have the internet, all right, if you were a musician, you, 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 you were always looking for an opportunity to be featured somewhere, either sing at a school or at a church or, or hopefully maybe they could feature you on a very huge concert of very famous known musicians and, and, and they would feature you early in the morning when there's nobody there. Any, anybody, remembers, anybody remembers that day? You know, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and you know, the concerts here, usually they'll either start nine in the morning, 10 in the morning, and, and, and the main singers, the anchor musicians will only sing at night when there's people. Yeah, you only sing when they're still setting the place up and the screens are not working, and there's nobody there to listen to you. And what has fascinated me is that there's been a number of musicians who when that opportunity was presented, they went and they sang their little hearts out. And what they didn't know as they were singing is that there was some producer who was lurking around somewhere there, just doing something, and as they were listening, you know, busy with something, they turned to think, who is that on the stage? And then after what, few weeks later, they were phoned by this producer who wanted to sign them on, and just like that, they became, they broke into the market, and all of a sudden, they were the number one bestseller because when they were featured at a time when nobody was attending, they took that opportunity with both hands. See, if you wait until things are presented in a glamorous way to you, you may be passing so many opportunities that God has put your way. You know, when you read, the, we read the story, I think three weeks ago, of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and, and asked Jesus a question and said, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And it's interesting when it, that was written, the Bible tells us that when Jesus looked at this young man, he loved him. Loved him. Loved him. And so Jesus responds to him. He says, you know, go sell what you have, give to the poor, come and follow me. Come and follow me and you, 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 you have a great reward. And the Bible says this young man left, walked away angry and disappointed. You know, and so Bible scholars, when they, when they talk about that verse and exegete that passage, they're saying... Jesus offered this young man the same opportunity he had offered the 12. You know, Peter, James, John, and the word. He was offering this young guy the opportunity to become one of the disciples. It was an opportunity, and that opportunity came. Simply, he just asked a question. And Jesus loved this guy and said, I think this guy must come and be one of us. Unfortunately, when the opportunity was presented, he turned his back on it. And the Bible says he, he, he was offended and he walked away. Could it be that there are certain opportunities that even if they offend you, yeah. might be your greatest chance for you. God to give you a, 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 a door. You know, before I became pastor, I was studying at Bible school 
and I was given an opportunity, <coughs> excuse me, at the church where I worked to work in the, in the mailing room. The mailing room of this church was quite very busy and large because at the time, all the major publications in the Christian circles came to this particular church. They were the main distributor of all the Christian material on the continent of Africa, really. And so I worked for them, not only in the mailing room, but in the wholesale department, sending material, packing boxes, in the mail room, I'd go and pick up the mail, you know, distribute the letters to the different departments, post certain things, pack those days, cassette tapes, and, 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 and uh, it wasn't DVDs, it was video, videotapes those years. It wasn't a very nice job because I couldn't wear a suit and a tie. I had to be like the EFF and wear my overall. That's why I can feel the EFF, you know. <laughs> and you know, this was those bad those days when at the height of apartheid, when segregation was at its worst. And as the one guy came from the township, came to this church that was predominantly white. And those years, it was a difficult job I did, the lowest job. Most of the people didn't know my name. They never even used to ask me who I was, how I was. <laughs> didn't work. But you know, I was working there. Had been given an opportunity to work there because I was supplementing my studies. I was going to Bible school, so I was working to pay for my studies. And then they would bring carpets that they used to give to guest speakers, beautiful Persian carpets, but they wanted me to create a box for these carpets because these carpets didn't come in a box. So you know, I make the box and take several boxes, tape them together, make this beautiful box, you know, and, you know. So I didn't know because I couldn't attend the midweek services. They used to give these gifts to the speakers at the midweek service or on Sunday. So I couldn't attend because of transport problems, so I couldn't come to that church. Anyhow, I wasn't a member at the church. I only worked at the, at the, at the mailing room. So I was told afterwards that uh, when they would cut the box open, the congregation would go, ah, because this is what they told me, said, because the box was so beautiful. You know, I mean, they said, how when they cut the box, they would rather cut the carpet than cut, no, no, not like that, but (laughs) something like that. I didn't know this. I was just doing my job. You know, it was an opportunity. I'm working at this job and they say I must make a box, so I'm making a box. So one day here I am at work. My office wasn't big. It wasn't if you could imagine from there to there, to here and over here. This was my office. It had boxes all over. And there was a storeroom that had even more boxes and more books. So here I am, I'm working, and the first lady of the church comes to my door one morning. And I had never met her. I used to see her over there. <laughs> On this day, yes, she is standing there. So I'm wondering, what wrong have I done? such that the first lady is coming to sort me out. <laughs> so then she looked at me, she said, uh, hello? I said, hello. <laughs> she said, what's your name? I said, Musa. <laughs> and then she said, those boxes that uh, 
that we, you, we put in the carpets in, is it you who made those boxes? I, I, was, I wasn't sure if I should tell her, because I don't know what she's going to say. I said, yes, me. She said, my, I love your boxes. <laughs> she said, they're so beautiful, they're so well done. Little did I know that when they would look for a, an associate pastor to assist in one of their churches, they'd come to the guy of the box. You know, I often tell people that every time I stand here and preach, I remember the box. No, it, it wasn't the prophecy, it wasn't the oil, it was the box. See, when God gives you a small opportunity, you don't want to play with it. Can I hear an amen? No matter how insignificant, how small, how it might not be so glamorous. And every time I preach, I'm thinking about it, by the way. They recommended me to be an associate pastor of the church. And when the pastor left a year later, he handed the church over to me. And this is the church where I'm standing. Because of a box. Huh? Because of a box. Not, oh no, not just because of a box. And my question is, what is your box? Where you are right now. You may be doing a job that you don't like. People might be looking down on you, saying all kinds of things. But you see, that's an opportunity. Open your mind and see opportunity. Listen what Romans 12 says. Romans 12 too, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let me read it to you in the Message Bible. It says, don't become so well adjusted to the culture that you, you fit into without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Ready to recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. You know, oftentimes when you look at the people that Jesus chose, he went for men and women who were already doing something, no matter how insignificant. The disciples like Peter were fishermen. Moses, when he was called by God, he was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Elisha was a farmer. Could it be that God is looking for somebody who's already doing something? No matter how small, no matter how insignificant, no matter what society says about it, you make sure that you open your mind to see opportunity. Number two, cast down all thoughts of fear or failure that would stop you. You know, anytime we try and do something that will move our life forward, there will always be these thoughts that you're going to fail, it's not going to work. It's interesting how Paul, in talking about thoughts, he actually uses the expression that we love to use so many times, but we don't realize that it refers to our thought life. You know, the term spiritual warfare is used everywhere. And oftentimes when we talk about spiritual warfare, we only locate it in the spiritual realm. You know, demons, principalities, powers up there. But Paul, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5, he talks about spiritual warfare right here where we live. 
Listen to what he says. He says the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now note verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. One translation says we bring every thought captive. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What Paul is saying in a nutshell is that really spiritual warfare, much as it may be in the heavenlies, but it has to do with our thought life. Very often thoughts come our way that try to drag us down and tell us we can never be what God says we are. Anytime you try to do something good, there will always be these thoughts that come your way to tell you how much you will fail. It's interesting to note how many people will allow fear to imprison them. Oftentimes our fear is expressed in the way we overanalyze situations. We so analyze it that we don't move and it's called analysis paralysis. We so analyze that we don't want to even try something. And yet when you read the Bible, you find the people who really got breakthroughs when they came to Jesus are those who came with a heart full of faith. In no way am I suggesting that we shouldn't analyze or make a, 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 a feasibility study. But you see, if all we do is to do feasibility studies and analyze and we don't move, the Bible says faith without works is dead. Let's never allow our knowledge of the situation to imprison us in fear. Or even be afraid to fail because failure is not a crime with God. There are many people in the Bible who failed. Whom the Bible records as the heroes and heroines of our faith. Read the book of Hebrews chapter 11. See the men and women there who are presented. The Bible even says some of them died even without seeing the manifestation of what they are believing God for. One minister one day who prayed for sick people and somebody was actually being not so nice to them said, you always say, tell people God will heal them. What if, what if, what if, what if you pray for somebody and then they die on the spot as you are praying for people? He paused and said, I will say next please. Not that he doesn't have compassion, but what he was saying is that, look, I'm only praying for them because the Bible says to do so. If I experience failure, it's part of it. And any of you who has ever tried anything, which is all of us here, you do know times when you have failed. But cast down all those thoughts of fear or failure. Number three, learn all you can to act on your opportunity. Inform yourself, read, study. Learn everything you can. So that when opportunity comes and it presents yourself, you can be able to interact with opportunity, then you'll see your potential. Number four, I'm going to go fast, sorry. We'll spend time on certain points, others I'm going to go a little bit fast. Number four, get involved in whatever part you can. Get involved. Let's go back to what I said earlier. Jesus always chose people who were involved somehow. Isn't it amazing? All his disciples were people who were doing something, no matter how small. And many people in the Bible are people who are already doing something, no matter how small. Get involved. If you sit and wait for things to get better, they may never get better. I'm not in any way suggesting that we should just launch ourselves without calculating and being strategic and 
trying to assess and using timing, I agree with all that. But at a certain point, the Bible tells us that faith without corresponding action is dead. And sometimes what we do as Christian people is to hide behind our prayers. You know, sometimes when people say, I'm praying about it, that's all they're doing. (laughs) Did you look for a job? I'm praying about it. (laughs) Did you tell her that you love her? I'm praying about it. How many of you are sitting next to somebody like that right now? I'm praying about it. <laughs> you know, one of, one, of, one of the observations I made, particularly in our communities, it might be different in other communities, that, you know, growing up, there's a lot of people who were doing very well, you know, we classify them as successful people, you know. And I made so many assumptions about them because they're succeeding. I thought this person probably, they, 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 they have, and there's nothing wrong with those things. I thought probably they have a degree or they're well-traveled or they came from a rich family. And, you know, that was my, that was my assumption. You know, they're succeeding. They must be. They were born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Until you sat down, you talked to them. And then you discover their, their background was the hardest. The one thing they have what had was initiative. They did something. And uh, even at school, I, I, I used to see, you know, there'd always be somebody there Who's the leader of us all? Anybody remembers that in schooling days? And often the one who was the leader of us all wasn't the smartest of us all. They were just the one who was willing to take initiative before we did. Before we did. And I found out if you can be an action person, take initiative, get involved. Instead of sitting down and, and, and you might just bump into opportunity. Of course you'll make a lot of mistakes. You'll bump your head several times, but it's fine with the bump moving forward than the guy who has no bump and is still sitting there for the rest of their lives. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I often chuckle, you know, when I'm watching movies or I've seen this as well in life when, you know, say you all go for an interview in the afternoon, say three o'clock, five o'clock. You know, those interviews are very difficult because it's been the whole day and it's between lunch and, and, and dinner. And, and normally we very hungry at that time. So you get to this venue where you're going to be interviewed and there's this holding room where everybody's going to wait there and then you see your, your whoever has invited you for the interview, they will set out some light snacks. And it's all sitting there. <laughs> it's like somebody knows what I'm talking about. This side. So we all get there. We know they told us to be there by 5 o'clock or by 3 o'clock and everybody's hungry. And the refreshments are over there. But nobody wants to be the first one to go. And anybody, <laughs> anybody knows? Anyone knows what I'm talking about? Yeah. We all see, because we all want to look proper, you know. We want to be all dignified, you know. You know what I mean? We, we, we want to be cool, you know. We don't, want, we, we don't want to. Until somebody who didn't care what we all said stood to walk towards the food. And all they did was just to take one step and all of us just stood up and overtook them. <laughs> to us. <laughs> take initiative. Yes, you'll make a lot of mistakes, but get involved. Number five, believe for God's blessing on your labor. 
trust God that as you get involved, his power will go into action. Look at Psalms chapter 1 verse 3, and I'm also reading in the middle of everything. Okay, let's start at verse 1. Let me not do this. Blessed is the man or woman. Yeah, we must put it in there. Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Now note verse 3. He shall be like a tree, or she shall be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water. Note. That brings forth its fruit in its season. Whose leaf also does not wither. Now note. And whatever he what? Whatever he what? Whatever he what? Whatever he does. Whatever he shall do what? Shall do what? Shall do what? If you are to go and read Deuteronomy 28. That last portion of it is verbalized in a different way. It says, and God will bless the work of your head. God will bless the work of your head. Now note, which means this. If the hand is not working, right? See, God is ready to bless. God is ready to put his favor and to put his power and to, to cause miracles to happen. Mara, Mara, if, if, the, if the hand is not working, God has nothing to bless. This one, the new King James says, whatever he does shall prosper. I was teasing them in the first service. In the King James says, whatever he doeth. So if your hand doeth nothing, God has nothing to bless it. So in other words, God is waiting on us to do something because he blesses the work of our hand. So if you're involved and you're putting out initiative and you're looking for opportunity and you're out there, believe God to bless your labor. Number six, grow to the fullest stature that you can in whatever area that you're serving in. Whatever opportunity you have, grow to the fullest stature. Learn all you can in that area. Grow to the fullest of your stature in that area. In Mark 4, when you read from verse 26, Jesus talks about how the seed, as it grows, before it can come into full fruition, it goes through a process. He talks about how God's kingdom is like a man who puts seed into the ground. So your potential is the same way. It grows, and you need to grow to the fullest of your stature. Number seven. Locate yourself in the right environment. Now I want to say this carefully. In no way am I suggesting we mustn't relate with people who don't believe like we do. We must relate with all people. That is God's way. But be intentional about finding a place that will be an environment that will nourish your potential. See, environments consist of the conditions that have a direct or indirect effect on the performance. If you go out and buy plants, they'll tell you that this plant, for it to grow to its fullest potential, it needs a lot of sun or it needs the shade. You've got to water it so many times a day and so on and so forth. Even manufacturers, they specify the conditions within which their product can perform to its maximum potential. 
So they tell you when you buy a car, you got to service this car. Every 20,000 kilometers, you got to change the oil, got to change the spark plugs. If you really want to get the best out of it, which simply means the right environment is the ideal conditions that we need to maximize our true potential. Why? Because God created everything to flourish within a specific environment. And then when the proper environment is violated, the potential for life in that product, in that plant, is disrupted and even destroyed sometimes. This is the unfortunate thing. When people put themselves in environments that will either imprison their potential or destroy it totally. God has designed us that we should expose ourselves to his power, to his presence, to his spirit. But God has also created us to be in relationships with other people, in fellowship with other people. So the key to releasing our true potential is for us to seek those encouraging surroundings. As best as you can. I tell people the choice of the school you go to, the friends you hang around with, the books you read, the church you go to, all those things, very important. I won't forget in the 80s when my spiritual life really turned drastically so in the positive direction. When I started attending a specific church. I tell you, I mean the preaching that was there was so different to what I was used to. You know, and I'm not criticizing any other person, please, please understand me. But you know, I think when Jesus talked about the gospel, when he said the spirit of the Lord is upon him to preach the gospel, the word gospel means good news. I think to a large extent, as much as in the church, we must talk about wrong and sin and all that, and all that is understood. But I think the, the, the major message of the church is to bring the good news. I'm being honest with you. I don't know about you, but for me, when I went to church, I already knew that I was beaten up. I was already a sinner. I don't need the preacher to tell me that. I was already bound. I was already struggling. I, I, I knew already that my life is lost. All, all I need is for the, 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 the preacher to tell me how to get out of it. Because I'm doing stuff that I don't know how to stop doing it. I, I don't know. And the background we came from, I was already told I'm a second class citizen. Third class, actually. No citizen, actually. <laughs> I was already told that I wasn't the right color of skin. Preacher, can you please tell me? Is there any way for me to still succeed in spite of everything that's around me? Yeah. And I remember 1982, as I came into church, wow, my goodness. It wasn't just the preaching, it was even the music. You know, because where I used to go when we sang, just like we were at God's funeral. Oh. oh, really? You know? I mean, it starts with the songs, and then when the preacher came, even when he spoke, my insomnia was cured with immediate effect. <laughs> See, very often we, we place ourselves in environments like that. You see? And, and, and then we don't grow and our potential is never realized. Make that choice in your life. You, you owe it to yourself to make that choice in your life. Sometimes we are among people, among friends who are not adding value to our lives. After you are with them, you, 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 you feel like hanging yourself. 
Anybody knows what I'm talking about? They're not adding any value. So be very intentional about seeking encouraging environments. Why? Because the Bible shows us clearly wherever we spend time with, whoever we spend time with, positive or negative, it will affect our way of thinking. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, the last part of it, it says, as, for as he thinks, the first part, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So we need to plant ourselves in an environment that's going to affect our thinking. Yeah. I mean, the first time I saw certain things years ago, I told you, first time I saw this particular church that they were building, this massive building. Hey! You know, I went and stood in this massive, it was still a steel structure, it was so big. My, my, my boss, you know, in the bookshop that where I used to work, he took me to the church that was being built. He took me on the stage and we stood on the stage. It was still, you know, it was still very rough, just the steel, and I stood on the stage. He says, this is the church building. I said, what? Are you sure this is not a shopping complex? He said, no. The church building. Think about it. If the, the, in my mind, the, the concept of big and small when I talked about the big church is when you had 200 people. And this brother is putting me in a place where it's more than 2,000 people. Church that has 5,000. I remember standing on the stage looking at all this. And you know how you feel like when you look at something that you never thought is possible. You want to go into denial. You think maybe you are sleeping, whatever. But the good thing about that is if you see something better than what you are used to. Oh. I tell you. Your set point has been interfered with. You start thinking at another level. You can never go back to the old level. Can I hear an amen in the house? Place yourself in those places where you are among people and things that make you uncomfortable. But make you uncomfortable in a good way. Show you it's possible to still do these things in spite of your background. It's possible for you to move forward even if you don't have a mother or a father. It's possible to do it even if you come from poverty. It's possible to do it. Yeah, And when you start thinking like that, then you realize you are able to get there by God's help. And you unearth that potential that's on the inside of you. Tell your neighbor, I see your potential coming forth. I, I just see it. I just see it. Number eight, work out your potential. In other words, make sure when you discover what you're good at and what God has placed in you, you work at it more than anything. Be willing to work, 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 work. W-O-R-K-K-K-K-K-K. The more you work, the more you discover what you didn't know you had. Don't mind working long hours. Don't mind burning the midnight oil. Don't mind working for a difficult boss. Don't mind it. As long as they're not abusive, you, you shouldn't take it. If they're abusive, no. But they might be a very difficult boss. It couldn't so, mama. Yeah, it couldn't so. Work is a major key of releasing your potential. Because you can claim the promises of God all day long, but if you don't apply the principle of work, it's not going to happen. That's why when God gave the children of Israel land 
in the promised land. On top of that, he told them clearly that the earth will not produce if they don't work it. You would think that when you go to the land of milk and honey, you don't need to work anymore. Because when they were in the wilderness, they didn't have to work. They have manna and quails and water and shade and heat, protection from snakes, free of charge. Even when they didn't have faith in God, even when they complained to Moses, God did it for them. But God says, enough is enough. If you're going to maximize in your potential, you must start having faith. Yeah. If you want to eat, you better work. Good hard work brings out potential in us. And I know we like to say, no, I don't want to work hard. I want to work smart. It's fine. Let's also work smart, but let's also work hard. And I was telling them yesterday, I was thinking so much about South Korea the other day. Because as you know, a few weeks ago, we went to a conference in South Korea. Dr. Cho, who had, has led the church, Yoido Full Gospel Church, for the last 60 years. And if, if you look at it, it was actually a time when Korea had just recently come out of oppression. It's very, very poor. When he became a pastor, he was, Korea as a whole was so poor. And disease was all rampant. He actually suffered from tuberculosis those years. And up until the leader of Korea those years, Sing Mang Hee, his name, Sing Man He came into power and moved the nation to embrace the spirit of rebuilding itself. I, I spoke with one man, a Korean man, he's an old man, and he was telling me what they did to get there. It's incredible, a, a nation that was so poverty-stricken and even despised that today their products are all over the world. If you go out in a parking lot, I'm sure there'll be a Hyundai or a Kia. What a car. <laughs> and to think that just 60 years ago, this is a nation that was considered as a third world country. But the people were willing to work hard Number nine, you need to guard your potential. Guard your potential. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul talks about us having a treasure in earthen vessels. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That treasure in us is the potential that we have. When he uses the term earthen vessels, he talks about these bodies. Note what he's saying. He says, if you look at our humanness, you may never really know the gold that we carry on the inside, the treasure. See, when you look at us as human beings, you look at our mistakes and the way we buy and cutting, you just never know what we carry on the inside. But it's a treasure. And we need to guard our treasure. In short, we need to guard our visions, guard our dreams. Guard them from sin, discouragement, procrastination, failures, opinions, distractions, traditions, and compromise. 
All these things have a way of interfering with our vision and our dream and our potential. Watch out for sin. Watch out for discouragement. Watch out for procrastination. Watch out for failure. See, when you fail, it doesn't mean you are a failure. When you fail, you need to get up and try again. Watch out for the opinions of people. Sometimes people have an opinion about you and I. No matter how far you go, what you do, they still have an opinion. And if you, if you listen to the opinions of people, you'll never be able to explore your potential. We need to watch out for distractions, traditions, and compromise. And in conclusion, after all those points, we need to share our potential. Potential can only be fulfilled when it is shared. Why? Because nature abounds with this truth. See, the sun doesn't exist for itself. Plants release oxygen for us and we provide carbon dioxide for the plants. We won't go into more details about the carbon dioxide. <laughs> I know some of you, you want to look like you don't know anything about carbon dioxide. Because you're in church, you want to look so innocent. Look at your neighbors looking innocent and say, ah, Trada. No potential exists for itself. If you're a good singer, you can lock yourself in your room and sing to yourself, but, but it's so much better when you sing for the rest of us who can sing. So good. So the true measure of fulfilled potential is not just what is accomplished, but who receives the benefit from the accomplishment. Your deposit was given to enrich and inspire the lives of others. In fact, that is the greatest law. And that's the highest level of living. The highest level of living is not to be blessed, but to be a blessing. Yeah. Highest level of living. That's what God told Abraham. He says, I'll bless you, I'll make you, and you will be a blessing. Highest level. There are people on the other side of your potential, brothers and sisters, who your potential and you being who you are can be such a blessing in their lives. And so the world is really waiting for you to become. The world is standing there hoping you explore what you've never explored. Because this world becomes a better place when you appear. And when you don't appear, it becomes a poorer place. And the master said, You've used your potential. Well done, good and faithful servant. I wish that day when we stand before God and the day of reckoning comes, every one of us can hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Because we never set on our potential. Hallelujah. 
Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Your word which is a lamp to our feet. A light on our path. Thank you that every one of us carries within us potential. And we are going to explore what you've placed inside of us. We're going to develop it. We're going to unearth it to the glory and honor of your name. Can you just hold hands with someone sitting next to you, please? Can we all just start praying whichever way you can? Can you just pray for your neighbor? Pray for them. Father, I pray for my brother. I pray for my sister. That their potential will be developed today. Thank you for your word. As it has come into their lives. Hallelujah. Keep on praying. Pray for them in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pray for them in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus for your strength and your power upon my brother, my sister today. Thank you that your Holy Spirit moves them forward in their walk with you. In the name of Jesus.